We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Back in on Sports Open Line on a Friday night. Joe Pot with you. Glad to have you along as well. Cardinals in the midst of a long series in Wrigley Field. They've already played two games. They've split two games. They lost last night 5-7-5, to seven to five rather. Could have been a 5-5 game last night. But anyway, they win today. 14 runs on 15 hits for the Cardinals. They hit five home runs today at Wrigley Field. So they have split that series so far. And oh, by the way, they have... A whole three games to go as well. They'll play two tomorrow, and then they'll come back and play on Sunday night. That's the ESPN night game on Sunday. So they've got plenty of baseball to come, and we have plenty of baseball to come here on Sports Open Line as well. I want to get into uh, at least a little bit into what the Cardinals actually did today, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the things there. We'll do that probably Uh, last bit of our show because I do have a couple of guests coming up to talk more baseball and to talk more about uh, other baseball, not just Cardinal baseball, but we'll ask both of them about Cardinal baseball as well. I want to get actually the opinion of of both my guests, Joe Sheehan and Mike Farron, of uh, what we're seeing with Paul Goldschmidt because, you know, again, locally we get to see him every night. But now it's a 25-game hitting streak for Paul Goldschmidt. It's a 39-game on base streak for Paul Goldschmidt. And so I'd be interested to see just what kind of the perception is of what he's doing and really of what this uh, team is so far. Uh, but also, uh, you know, some other things, national baseball related as well. I talked to Joe Sheehan. Um, I guess it was before the lockout ended. It was still the the teams, the owners were still in the midst of the lockout. And we were talking about the ramifications if the lockout if the lockout had lasted if it had canceled games now ultimately it did but it canceled six games which by the way is why the cardinals are playing the doubleheader this week this is making up one of those games they lost in that first week but well, it could have obviously been way worse okay we could have been talking about not starting baseball till may 1st not starting baseball till june 1st all of those kind of things but I do want to talk to to Joe about that and see, you know, if he feels like there's any lingering effects of of what the lockout was and what it did. And so we'll get into that a little bit. Talk to him 
about that as well. Currently right now, a couple of Central Division teams uh, underway or getting there. The Reds are getting smashed by the Nationals 6-2. to two. They're only in the fifth, and the Brewers are just getting set to get started with the Padres. Of course, that's the one the Cardinals are watching closely is the Brewers playing at home to the Padres. The Brewers walked off after scoring four ninth-inning runs last night to beat the Padres after, of course, a disappointing night <clears throat> Excuse me for the Cardinals uh, in Chicago in the opening game of that series last night. So we'll talk all of that. We will uh, talk... Uh, all things baseball here for this 7 o'clock hour. So so next up is Joe Sheehan, national baseball writer. He'll join us. We'll talk to him about the Cardinals and about Major League Baseball. We'll do it as we come back. It's Sports Open Line on a Friday. I'm Joe Pott. This is KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Live. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Joe Pot back in on Sports Open Line on a Friday, talking baseball here after a good cards win. We're in the midst of a big, long cards Cubs series at Wrigley Field. Excited to bring in our next guest, Joe Sheehan, longtime baseball writer. He's part of Baseball Perspective. He has written for Baseball America. You can find him now at joesheehan.com. And Joe, last time you and I spoke, we were still in the midst of a lockout, and we weren't sure how long said lockout was going to last. We weren't sure how many games said lockout was going to claim. As it turned out, it only claimed about six games from most teams' schedules. But here we are now on June 3rd, two full months into the season. Do you feel, do you believe there are any lingering effects from that lockout? Well, we're still seeing pictures, uh, still being ramped up. And maybe this is just going to be a permanent change now, Joe, where you just, a pitcher going seven innings now almost feels like a complete game. Uh, teams have pushed back on lowering the number of pitchers a lot on a roster. They really want as many pitchers as possible and to use them as infrequently as possible. Now, whether that's the shortened spring training uh, after the lockout or whether that's just, hey, we just don't want to use pitchers that frequently, it's hard to tell at this point. But I would say that's the most lingering thing I see right now. That's interesting. That is uh, true. I do feel like that. If you're if you're talking about a starter going seven, you're like, man, that, wow, what a great outing. When, Yeah, that, that was certainly not the case. 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever that's been. What about uh, off the field? Do you feel like there's lingering effects uh, attendance-wise? I think I saw a figure that was after like 12 or 15 games, mid, maybe mid-April, I guess mid-May, down 1% to 2% maybe. is. Have you seen anything? Are you seeing 
trends that are suggesting that that fans were uh, negatively affected or upset? Nothing that wasn't already a factor before Mm -hmm. uh, the lockout and the pandemic. You go back, baseball's been having, you know, baseball just doesn't draw well on weeknights and non-school months. So for, you know, for me in the Northeast, that'd be, you know, April, May, September, you know, in the South, I guess it's like April, August, September. Uh, It's just, you look at all of these ballparks now, and there are just broad swaths of empty seats. I just think it's a factor. I think some of it's the length of games. I think some of it is other options. But baseball now draws most of its fans on weekends in warm weather months. So I don't know that, again, I don't think that's a factor of the, the lockout. I also think teams have gone towards saying, hey, look, we really don't care whether we sell 35 or 40,000 tickets as long as we maximize the revenue from the 35,000 tickets that we do sell. So you're not seeing a lot of effort to fill those seats. You're seeing a lot of push towards the premium seats, the premium services, the behind-home plate buffets, things like that. They're cur- they're catering to the high dollar customer they're catering to the corporate customer and if that means they kind of leave you know they don't really pursue that last marginal fan i think they're fine with it yeah i think that i mean that feels that feels about like what happens even here in st louis and especially the weekend thing i mean the the giveaways are piled up on the weekends most of the weeknight stuff you have to buy a special theme ticket anyway but it's the weekends it's sort of like they they've made the choice we're going to make those Big nights, even bigger, and if that means that you know Monday through Thursday suffer, that's that's accepted. Right, and that gets to the fact that teams don't need gate revenue as much as they used to, with the TV money being what it is, with you know local and national TV. With in some places, revenue sharing kind of makes up for those stands you're not getting. You've got additional ancillary revenues coming in with all these streaming deals, with the gambling deals. Baseball teams are less reliant on getting you to go to the ballpark and buy a hot dog than they've been in the history of the game. You mentioned gambling deals, so it, it just makes me think, and it's it's the same conversation I'm sure that you've had that, that tons of people have had. Is it time to stop punishing Pete Rose now that we're accepting money from all of the sports books that are coming online and all of the different states that are now legalizing gambling? No, they're absolutely nothing to do with each other. Uh, even uh, with the deals that are in place today, players are still not allowed to bet on baseball. They walk past the same sign in the dugout that Pete Rose walked by. I think I calculated once he walked, must have walked past it about 11,000 times between you leaving for batting practice, coming back, going out for the game. You can't, if you're a player, if you're a uniform personnel, you can't bet on baseball. That's got nothing to do with the fact that FanDuel is a sponsor of Major League Baseball. Pete Rose still wouldn't be allowed to bet on baseball. I, the two are completely right. He broke the one rule you cannot break in baseball. And I don't, I personally think that not only do you have, not only is this punishment correct, but you have to keep him permanently banned even more so now. You need players in this more permissive environment nationally and globally you need players to know that if they bet on baseball, they're going to be banned forever because if they can do it to Pete Rose, they can do it to me. It is more important now than ever that Pete Rose stay on the ineligible list. Uh, so he he is even – so not just a punishment for him, but a warning for all who come after him. 1,000%. Okay. Now on to regular baseball stuff. The Philadelphia Phillies dismissed Joe Girardi today, and I have certainly have mixed feelings about the – mid-season manager slash coaches change and how much can it really have an effect? What do you think on June 3rd firing Joe Girardi does for the Phillies? Yeah, I I never, if you're going to fire a guy and bring in somebody else from outside the organization, I kind of get that. 
when you fire the guy and hire and, and give the job to the guy who's sitting next to him, <laughs> right. I don't really understand what the point of that is. That's not really new leadership. Now, um, in, in this case, I think they're hoping, what you're hoping for is the change itself has an effect as opposed to Rob Thompson being a better manager than Joe Girardi, for which there's really no evidence. Um, I think Joe Girardi got a bad, uh, a bad deal here. I think you have to remember that the Phillies fired Gabe Kapler two years ago. So their track record on this isn't very good. Right. And they're not looking at the things that they did. I mean, you know, it's not Joe Girardi's fault that he doesn't have much of a bullpen. Kapler didn't have much of a bullpen. I mean, this has been a Phillies problem for a few years now. You know, it wasn't Joe Girardi's idea to sign two DHs. And both of whom, Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber, are now stuck playing the outfield because of Bryce Harper's elbow injury. Harper can hit, but he can't field. It wasn't Joe Girardi's idea to have a team with no, no center fielder or with an aging up in the middle. The Phillies' defense is utterly terrible. It's one of the worst defenses in baseball. It's been one of the worst defenses in baseball. They didn't do anything about it. So it's just a lot of things that have nothing to do with Joe Girardi. Can I sit here and say, well, yeah, Joe Girardi shouldn't have done this on Tuesday. Joe Girardi shouldn't have done this on Saturday. Absolutely. I can do this for any manager in the game. Right. But the idea that, Joe, the idea that firing Joe Girardi is going to be some magic pill for this team is ridiculous. All right, more baseball stuff on the field. The Cardinals and the National League Central. I made the comment the other night. Uh, it was going into last night's game on the pregame show. This five-game series, the Cardinals and the Cubs, I feel like it's the opportunity for the Cardinals to turn the corner, overtake the Milwaukee Brewers, and, of course, they promptly proceeded to lose to the Cubs, and the Milwaukee Brewers <clears throat> walk off with four runs in the ninth. I still stand by that. I, Milwaukee was here in St. Louis last week. They have a lineup that doesn't scare me at all, and they have you know, now two of their three big pitchers on the injured list. Cardinals split the two out of four, but I still think the Cardinals have a better overall team. Outside looking in, your thoughts on the National League Central, on the Cardinals? The most well about the division. The most important thing that's happened has been the injuries to Woodruff and Peralta. Mm-hmm. Now Woodruff's an ankle; he should be back in a couple of weeks. Freddie Peralta might be out until September, maybe right. even miss the rest of the year. That's a that's a real big hit to them. And as you mentioned, you know they're not a good offensive team. You know the, the ninth inning last night against Trevor Rogers, notwithstanding uh, Trevor Rogers, darn it, no Taylor Rogers. <laughs> Can't get the there are three Rogerses, T Rogerses. They're all pitch in the National League. This isn't fair. Uh, but it was just Taylor Rogers last night. But it's not a good offensive team, so they're built around that front three. Right now, we saw even that can go bad. Remember the division series last year? They got wiped out by the Braves. I think they scored four runs in the three games. So the offense is just not good. I think, based on the rosters right now, playing you know, playing from today forward, the Cardinals are the better team because of the, the loss of Peralta. Because the Cardinals have gotten better. Um, you know, I was I really was excited about this Cardinals team at the start of the year. The young, I thought Carlson would take a step forward. So we saw what Tyler O'Neill did last year. Um, the possibility that Adam, uh, excuse me, uh, Matthew Liberatore would come up. It's been a mixed bag, but what they've done is they've churned the roster. So now instead of Carlson, it's Juan Yepes. Um, you know, instead of Tyler O'Neill, it's Nolan Gorman. They have this really large chunk of talent that they've given opportunities to. So this offense now looks pretty good, even even though O'Neill and Carlson haven't hit very well. And, of course, both are on the DL at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'd say right now, I don't think either of these teams is great. I think we're talking about two teams that over a full season are, you know, 86, 87 win teams. But I think they are going to give us a very good race here down the stretch. Um, I expect both teams to make the playoffs. And Carlson and O'Neill, by the way, both uh, went out on rehab assignments today. So they could have those two pieces back in this lineup as well. Nolan Gorman homered again today. So it's three in the last four games that he has played. 
And then, of course, you have the you know would-be superstars and Nolan Arenado, who was the April Player of the Month. Paul Goldschmidt, who was just named the May Player of the Month. Is Paul Goldschmidt as impressive from the outside looking in as he is to us that cover this team every day and to the fans that, that love this team? Well, he's been a rock. You know, he's somebody who doesn't get a lot of attention, I don't think, because he basically puts up the same year every year. You know, he hit 250 a couple of years ago. His best years with 310, but it's almost like an Eddie Murray vibe where he's right. just always there. I was surprised over the winter. I looked, and not to, not to do the stat thing, but he has uh, more than 50 wins above replacement, more than 50 war in his career. Mm-hmm. You start to become a Hall of Fame candidate in the high 50s, low 60s. I mean, he's actually closer to the hall than I had any reason to, to, to think that he was. So he's quietly put that together. This is the kind of year, like Freddie Freeman's year two years ago, right. that can be a signature. You know, if he can go out and win the MVP award, he's a candidate. He's not the best one right now. If he goes out and hits 50 home runs, if he has some ridiculous RBI count, that's the kind of thing hall voters will remember in a way that they're not going to necessarily remember, well, he had seven war this year. So this is his opportunity. One of the key things I was actually just looking before we talked, He's obliterating breaking stuff. Yes. You know, hitters hit fastballs. It's what they do. You look at, at Goldschmidt, he's always hit fastballs better. He's a typical, you know, 240 hitter with some pop against breaking stuff. And this year he's hitting like 340 with a 600 slugging against breaking stuff, which is just unheard of. And that's the difference between being good Paul Goldschmidt season and possible MVP Paul Goldschmidt season. Yeah, hitting, he's hitting some breaking balls too low in the zone that he's just taking with extreme power into the gaps, out of the ballparks. He did it again today. He hit a, hit a home run at Wrigley that was uh, like that. I know the wind was blowing out today as well. Um, are you surprised that the National League East is where it is in that the Mets are basically 10 games up on the rest of this division and nobody has a winning record outside of the Mets in the National League East? Mostly surprised by how good the Mets are mm-hmm. as opposed to everybody else. I, did, I, didn't, I wasn't that excited about this division coming into the season. I was higher on the Marlins than everybody else. I had the Marlins. Uh, making the playoffs. That hasn't worked out too well. But what the Mets have done without Jacob DeGrom, missing Matt Scherzer now for a couple of weeks, they've been carried by their offense. Their offense has been fantastic. And this is a, I thought a year ago there would be a team that drew walks, hit for average, hit doubles, scored a bunch of runs, and they didn't. They've turned up this year and been that team. Pete Alonso has been out of his mind. You look at what they've gotten out of some of the secondary pieces, like Luis Guillorme, Mark Canna, they signed as a free agent last night, checked, he had a 400 OBP. Everybody up and down that lineup is hitting. So that's been the key for them. Now, they're going to feel the loss of DeGrom and Scherzer. They're on this road trip right now. They play the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Angels. Just a brutal road trip. Now, they've got to survive that. Even if they go 3-7 and seven or something, that's fine because they have this enormous cushion in the division. What you want to do is step on everybody's necks, right? Get a 15-game lead so the other teams don't try. Don't do what the Braves did last year and said, well, let's keep trying and steal the division from you. Um, I think the real key for the Mets long-term, though, is if they can get a big enough lead, they can take their time with Scherzer and DeGrom and work them back slowly. Remember, it's not a six-month season anymore. With the expanded playoffs, it's a seven-month season. So you're trying to get these starters through that extra month. So that'll be the key for the Mets. I'm not sure they won't run away from this, only the Braves right now look like they can actually give them a challenge. Um, I don't think the Phillies, even with the managerial change, are going to be a playoff contender. Joe Sheehan, I always appreciate you taking the time. JoeSheehan.com is the best place to go to find all of his work, and you can find that great newsletter there as well. He is at Joe underscore Sheehan on Twitter. I appreciate you giving up some Friday night for us tonight, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Take care. 
That is Joe Sheehan with us here on a Friday on Sports Open Line. More baseball talk to come. Mike Farron of Sirius XM. No, I'm sorry, of Major League Baseball Network Radio. Coming up on the other side of our break, so we'll continue the baseball talk here on Camo X. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Joe Pot back in on KMOX on a Friday night. I promised plenty of baseball talk here during the 7 o'clock hour, and we continue that uh, here as we move through the hour. Mike Farron is the uh, host on MLB Network Radio of the Power Alley program, covered the Major League Baseball, you've covered the Arizona Fall League. I see a ton of college baseball these days. Is that what is uh, right, uh, the the then and now, Mike? Is it the uh, college regionals that are getting started? I have been watching uh, my my co-host on ESPNU Radio, uh, Mike Rooney, since uh, 9 o'clock Pacific time this morning. And and he still looks good. I can't believe he's been on camera this long and he hasn't melted. But yeah, no, I'm, dude, I'm locked in on regionals. I'm a huge college baseball fan in addition to covering it. And so um, today is a terrific day because you get all of these games, all this action basically going until, you know, like uh, almost midnight tonight Pacific. And then we'll start it all up again at uh, 7 a.m. Pacific tomorrow. So I'm, uh, this is a great day. I'm not going to lie. I, I call college games during the during the spring baseball season, and I have not watched uh, anything today doing full-time work and, and, and coming over here and doing this. So, uh, But I also enjoy the college game uh, greatly. Um, I, I'm interested, too, from, from the work that you've done. I know you've covered the Arizona Fall League for a long time. Um, who, who are you following that you were following from the Fall League uh, or who's been a, a big disappointment that you thought was going to be a can't miss that you saw come out of the fall league? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Um, man, um, who have I enjoyed? Well, I'm going to pat that, myself on the back now. Cause clearly yeah, I've got you thinking. Yeah. So yeah, you, that was, I was not, that was, boy, you got me out in front of a change up there. So nice cambio. Uh, my pleasure. <laughs> Um, in terms of guys that that you know who you know I first kind of saw in the fall, um, and then you know the, the ended up you know watching their development. Gosh, there's a lot of them that fit that that mold. You know, it, it's such a loaded league with you know specifically with with hitters. You know what I mean? Like it's for the most part, pitchers there are trying to get innings because they've been hurt, sure. right? Like very rarely do you have a guy like. You know, I, well, here's a good example of one who was kind of under the radar, but like Taylor Rogers was here as a starter in the fall league and Rogers that year combined between the regular season and the fall league ended up throwing 200 innings on the nose. Um, this was back when he was in the twins minor league and, you know, he had a couple of starts and whatnot and up and down and ended up becoming, you know, a pretty good reliever and has been terrific for the Padres now, uh, finishing games last night, notwithstanding. So he would be one of those names that would be on the list of somebody that, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about, mm-hmm. um, that I was really interested in. Um, you get a lot of, you, you get either the big star prospects or you get a lot of the role players. I would say that, it, you know, 
one of the guys that I saw out here who was a big prospect who just never really clicked in his two go rounds here. And, you know, he had a couple of good seasons in the big leagues and then obviously, um, you know, made some terrible decisions and uh, was accused by, by, you know, exes of, of, um, you know, some, some, I, I guess, um, I can't remember if it was emotional or if it was, you know, physical issues, but um, Addison Russell was one that really stands out as a guy who had a lot of hype oh, yeah. out here that you never really saw it click overall. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, I highly recommend the fall league to anybody who wants, first of all, like, especially as you get towards the end of that league, like late October to early November here in Arizona is just sensational. The weather's great. And there's not big crowds at these games. That's kind of like old school spring training where you can get tons of autographs. If that's something you like, or, um, you know, you can get good seats for, you know, five bucks a game. Basically it's one of my favorite things about the baseball season is the fall league. So I'll try and think of a couple more names throughout. Oh, that's good. That one really stumped me, Joe. That's <laughs> a really good one. I haven't thought about that in a while. Well, here here in St. Louis, where Juan Yepes has made his major league debut now, and he's playing yeah. a, a big role on this Cardinals team. He had a really good run in the fall league last year, uh, and I don't know that – you know, a lot of Cardinal fans, quite frankly, were really tracking on him before he really, I mean, I know there's the hardcore. They really, they knew who he was. They knew, you know, maybe that he was out there, but I don't, I think his run in the fall league kind of last fall really propelled him into uh, our minds. Yeah. And, and I got a chance to see him then. I knew that he had added the power in AAA and then, you know, he was on the, the wild guard roster, right? right. So, um, so he had been up, uh, you know, just in that sense. Um, but yeah, lot, I mean, gap to gap, doubles hitter from the right side. I really like to me. Yeah, Brendan Donovan was here too, right. and he's been such a huge boost um, for the Cardinals offensively since he's come up and you know, moving all around the field. He was playing a bunch of different positions. Um, so you know, those are a couple of guys for sure. I mean, the Cardinals always seem to have like one or two interesting guys that that come out of that you know one who ended up in a trade that i always really liked was austin gomber um who had a really terrific curveball and um you know he was a big big obviously a big part of the arenado trade i was a big stephen piscotti fan when i saw him here um i thought that was another you know another cardinal prospect that i really liked that came out of here so um you know those aren't aren't maybe you know piscotti was a first rounder so maybe he's a little bit of a bigger name compared to the other guys but um you can always find these real hidden gems and then track them and then you know for all of those you end up with the like man i'm convinced that mike gerber is going to be a 10-year big leaguer as a fourth outfielder right. <laughs> he's barely had cups of coffee <laughs> and you can't i mean obviously you can't argue with a guy like austin gomber who uh threw some good innings for the cardinals but then obviously you know they were able to flip him for for nolan arenado so certainly yeah. more than served his purpose for, for this organization um, I have to ask you about Joe Girardi being relieved today by the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, is the is the midseason manager move something that you think is effective? No. I mean, I think yeah. we've got a lot of proof that says that it isn't. Very rarely is it effective. Um, I'm not a fan of, of it in general because the thing that doesn't change is your personnel. Right. And the issue, you know, I caught a lot of heat from Phillies fans for saying this this morning, that I was shocked that they made this move. I, listen, I know it had been rumored, you know, like I know that there had been a lot of questions about his job security, but nothing is going to change the the fact that they're a bad defensive team. Um, and, you know, like the only thing that could really help them is if, in fact, they were able to, you know, get their relievers to throw more strikes, which isn't all that dissimilar to what the Cardinals had happened through the first two months of last year. But what the Cardinals did is they went out and added new personnel, right? So they get 
um, Luis Garcia and TJ McFarland, and that seemed to help settle things down a little bit. They got a couple of extreme strike throwers, and even in you know kind of the underside of the bullpen, being able to do that helped to set things right. Well, unless the Phillies are going to change over some of the personnel that they have, you know, and they're not trading Castellanos and they're not trading Schwarber, they just signed those guys. And you know, Bryce Harper, who knows if he's going to be able to play a field at all this year with the elbow issue. Like, those are some pretty big issues that, you know, Scott Thompson isn't going to be able to correct or, you know, Whitey Herzog wouldn't be able to <laughs> correct or, you know, like any number of, of, you know, really great managers would not be able to succeed with. So, you know, I think the one thing we don't have a clear understanding of is had Joe Girardi lost the clubhouse. And, you know, there right, were some comments last week about, um, you know, players saying that they weren't having fun and, and that their families had noticed it. And a couple agreed with the premise when they were asked by Alex Coffey of the, the Philadelphia Inquirer. So I think there's... Um, I think there are a couple of things that we don't know that are behind the scenes that may have helped to cause that. But just from a, you know, we're going to bring in a new manager, and so we expect things to be a little bit different. I I just can't see that changing because almost the entire coaching staff is the same. Um, and you know, Scott Thompson. Hey, listen, this guy's been a Rob Thompson. Excuse me, he's been a really good. Um, coach for a long time and has probably deserved the opportunity. Even Joe said he thought he was going to be a great manager. You know, when we talked to him this morning, but you know, I I just don't know that that in the end the personnel is going to to allow them to get over the hump unless all of a sudden they start playing better defense. And and also you said something there, and I I I just chatted with Joe Sheehan, and and he said unless you get somebody from outside the organization, right, you're getting the bench coach that. Is has been with Joe Girardi. You're you're yeah. just sort of moving down the line of coaches. Yes and no. I mean, I think that there is. I mean, there can be a difference in personality, right? So Rob Thompson is a little bit more laid back than Joe is. I mean, I think if you know, if I were to identify a flaw with Joe Girardi, I know everybody will, will focus. Well, most of the Philly fans seem to be focused on his bullpen decisions and um, trying to find ways to get better defenders on the field in lieu of some of their hitters who couldn't defend. Um, but the the real I think criticism of him is that he can be wound a little tight. Right. I think that at times that can rub off on teams. I do think Rob Thompson's a little bit different in that regard. I don't think he is quite as um, as intense in the same way that Joe is. And so maybe that allows things to get a little bit better. But even if you were going to bring somebody in from outside the organization, it doesn't change the players that are there. You, you Their issues are almost exclusively defensive for three years they've been at the bottom of the league in defensive run saved they have terrible outfield defense they have below average infield defense you know what like, you've got to fix that and i think their their relievers lead the league in walk rate so like i mean you're creating all sorts of extra opportunities and then when balls are put in play there aren't guys there to catch them so and and, and they faced a very difficult schedule but you know, like, I, I just don't know that even if you had gone outside the organization to, you know, I don't know who, who you bring in at this point, Mike Socher or whoever, like, the, that it was going to fix the issues that they have. I mean, I think you're just bringing in somebody else to, you know, with a similar pedigree to Joe Girardi to do the same thing that Joe is, which is try and figure out a way to get the most out of a flawed roster, despite their star power. Mike Farron with us here just for a minute or two, but your observation looking from the outside at this National League Central Division, which I had, I, I've said it several times now, I feel like right now, this time, first weekend in June here is the time that the Cardinals can overtake or at least pull even with the Milwaukee Brewers right now. 
Well, I got a little bit different take on that. I mean, I think the Cardinals, the Cardinals have played extremely well, and I, I don't want to discount that. And Goldschmidt in particular has been tremendous. I mean, I think he, he's having one of the best starts to a season of his career. You know, this is a guy that's been an MVP runner-up twice and finished third another time. So um, I don't want to discount any of that, and it's certainly good news that it sounds like Jack Flaherty keeps his rehab start well, you know, healthy and feeling good last night. But I think the Milwaukee team is really good. I I mean, I know that they've had some injuries in the rotation, but Woodruff played catch today. It seems like he's going to be back in the minimum. Um, They they have a very deep bullpen, and I think their offense is better than people give them credit for. And if they do end up getting something out of Christian Yelich more than what the production has been and closer to what the the little red dots on his baseball page say, then they could be really scary. So I think the Cardinals have – a tough task in trying to run down Milwaukee. I think they will stay you know, with them, largely with them for most of the summer. And I think they'll take advantage of the fact that they have, you know, three teams that aren't going to be very good in that division in the Cubs, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. What about, what do you like about the offense? Cause that's what I, I kind of look at it and, and the offense just kind of like, eh, it's fine, but it's not nothing jumps off the page to me when, when Rowdy Tellez is your biggest threat or at least is putting up well, your best numbers currently. He's putting up your best power numbers currently, but I don't I wouldn't go so far as to say he's the best offensive player. I mean I think remember they they've continued to stay in the top ten offensively despite the fact that Willie Adamas, who really is their best all around player right now, has been out, you know, for almost a month. What, what, right. Um yeah, so you know, I think I think some of it is the sum of the parts, right? Adamas, I think Colton Wong, you know, and they had a great start, but Wong is a pretty good offensive player. Sure. Urias is very good at third. They actually get terrific production out of the catcher spot. Omar Narvaez um, gets on base, and you know, about four years ago or so, started hitting for some power, um, and I think that's a big difference maker. You know, Renfro gives him power in right. You know, he's not all that dissimilar to Tyler O'Neill in that he gives you you know a good corner outfield glove. Um, Renfro's turned into a better defender than, than I ever had him, but, but and a power hitter, albeit with some warts based on contact. And then the other X factor that they have is that they have, you know, Yelich there, who, you know, has not gotten back to being Christian Yelich fully. Um, but there are like these underlying signs that make it seem like it, it's possible that he gets closer to, not maybe not to the same level that he was in 18 and 19. So I think when you look at the, the sum together, I, I don't really think it's all that dissimilar from, say, the Cardinals' mm-hmm. offense in the end. It lacks the star power maybe with Goldschmidt and Arenado, but I think the secondary players um, you know, end up being pretty similar because, well, and listen, I think Gorman has a pretty high ceiling, sure. and I think um, you know, Carlson there could still be more in the tank for, but you know, those are young players that you're going to have fits and starts at. And if we're evaluating this for 2022, that's something that we need to keep in mind versus, you know, if we're looking at these guys long-term. Mike Farron, first time that we've had a chance to chat on air here. I appreciate you taking some time on a Friday and doing it with us. And uh, you can keep thinking about those guys in the fall league and see if there's any that come to your mind. <laughs> and maybe we'll catch I up again. The- the next time we do it, I'll have a whole list of guys that I missed on and guys that I was right on. I will hold you to that then. That sounds fair. I appreciate <laughs> I it. Thank you no so problem. much for the Thank time. Yep. That Take is care. Mike Farron with us here. I promised a lot of baseball talk. I have delivered, so we need to wrap things up. We'll do that on the other side of the break. It's Sports Open Line. I'm Joe Pot. This is Camo X. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. 
Last couple of minutes here on Sports Open Line on a Friday after a Cards-Cubs game today. A win for the Cards, in case you missed it. Cards hit uh, five home runs. This is what uh, this one John Rooney said after the game. This was his uh, favorite home run of the game. Three and two on Nolan Gorman. The runners go. The pitch is swung on and a high fly ball. It's long gone in right field. Way back in the bleachers. A three-run homer for Nolan Gorman. Nine to four Cardinals in the fourth inning. Gorman's third home run of the year. Oh, did he unload. Third in his last four games as well. And, of course, uh, if you've been following along, he's missed a couple of games with some back tightness. One of the things he did say was that fielding and, and kind of bending over to field was even bothering it more than swinging the bat. But I do think it's a good sign, obviously, that he is back in there swinging the bat and swinging the bat well today. Paul Goldschmidt hit a three-run home run as well. He extends his hitting streak to 25 games, his on-base streak to 39 games. Corey Dickerson hit two home runs. Lars Newtbar hit his first home run of the season. Uh, lots of runs today. Now, I hope that doesn't mean lack of runs tomorrow because the cards will need lots of runs. They'll need a lot of pitching. It is a split doubleheader tomorrow in Wrigley. Um, I'll have both of those for you. As a matter of fact, pre and post uh, here on Camo X. And of course, John Rooney, uh, Ricky Horton and Mike Claiborne, the some combination of those three. We'll have it all for you from Wrigley field. First game tomorrow is at 1220 uh, and our pregame show gets underway at 1125. Second game is at 615 tomorrow night. I still think it's the weekend the Cardinals can turn the corner and can uh, at least gain some ground and perhaps overtake, uh, get really close to overtaking, I guess, at this point. Three back with three to play. But uh, I think it's a, it can be a good weekend for the Cardinals. We'll see how the pitching holds up. My thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks to Michael Langston behind the board tonight. Thanks to Matt Pajeski for putting together our guest list tonight. Greg Damon, Jack Aroot, Joe Sheehan, and Mike Farron. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the races over at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway. I'm Joe Pot. Keep it here all weekend on your home of the Cardinals, Camo X. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.